Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast here with my co-host Benji Nyson. This show is supported by Lacole, who produced performance cycling apparel. Boy, oh boy, do we have a weird old stage to recap today at the Tour de Suisse Stage 7, the individual second individual time trial, a up-and-down ITT, 23Ks long. They do a 9.5K climb, 6.5% average gradient. It's pretty regular. And then descend the other side to Andermatt, which is like a long straight descent, and then I think 15 or so hairpins most of the riders opted to do it on their tt bikes Ineos and ef did anyway but benji's pick on the podcast no not his main pick let's be clear but definitely he said his outsider pick to win the stage was rigoberto uran the man who hasn't won a race since tour of slovenia stage three in 2018 hasn't won a world tour race since tour de france 2017 is maybe one of the most defensive boring riders in the world, although I might have given the reins to Wilco Kelderman. He wins today's stage, so big props to Benji. He wasn't even the top five favourites, and he wins this by about 40 seconds on Julian Alaphilippe in a 36-minute TT. Before I do the top 10, Benji, even you didn't expect Uran to win by 40 seconds. Yeah, of course not. Like <laughs> I had him as a, a rider that can definitely win this time trial because of the history that I remember with him. I recall him winning a a Giro time trial, the one where Quintana crashed in yes. 2015 16. That was what got me to say Uran yesterday, together with the descent of the Iseron that uh, eventually got cancelled. He was also descending very strong there, very similar descent in the way it works. And that's why I went for it. And I think it. Paid off, I guess. Um, I think, <laughs> I think it's 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 probably my my proudest prediction of the year so far. I'd say because there's been a few, but like this is like out there because it's been so long and so forth. I just like seeing him win because he's such a a weird guy on social media. The most popular Southern American cyclist in the world when it comes to his followers on Instagram. Actually, the most popular cyclist on Instagram when it comes to his followers. Yeah, the man has so much like, yeah, such a, a large following in Southern America that is so cool to see that he's so popular and that he he makes such funny jokes like the the time he cut a part out of a shoe because he had a foot injury, for example, stuff like that. Nah, makes me love the guy. Here's the top ten: Uran first on thirty six minutes and two seconds. Alaphilippe second, forty seconds back. He rode the whole thing on a road bike, and it was definitely slower. He lost a lot on the descent to Uran. Uran was doing like a hundred k's on the descent. Gino made a third, same time as Carapaz fourth on fifty four. Dumoulin fifth on fifty six. Cataneo fifty eight. Then Pozzovivo one minute, same time as Costa, SKA, and Pung making rounding out the top. 10 my pick my outsider for the day was uh full sang that was not a good pick he didn't do well 16th uh but we did say that the one thing we said yesterday for certain 
was that this would be a weird TT with weird results. And that's what we have, a very mixed bag top 10. I think the big surprise, Benji, I think is Dennis and Sharkman and Fulsang even as well, but particularly Sharkman being beaten by, say, Stefan Kung on such a climbing heavy course. Does that surprise you? Yeah, it certainly does. I think that Sharkman has had great time trials on rolling hills and so forth. He's been able to climb very well this Tour de Suisse also in previous climbing stages as well before in this season and previous seasons. I think that I expected much more from Sharkman. Genuinely a disappointment today. Fulsang's a bit of an inconsistent one in time trials, but because of the climbing aspect, I was expecting a good one here, like you are mentioning. And I think that we saw that, was it Andalusia time trial last year where he, uh, I think, just lost to Dylan Turns or something, or just won from Dylan Turns? Vaguely remember something like that. That was a flat roar, less, well, well, definitely wasn't a mountain time trial. And this was, so I'd expect him to be better on this terrain. And he just completely fell through on the climb itself already and did worse than Shockman on the climb itself. So, yeah, very disappointing. And uh, let's talk about Michael Woods as well. What oh, the hell? Yeah. Like, He's such a bad time trialist. If he goes to the Tour for GC, he might as well stop already because there's no way in hell he's staying anywhere close. I'd go for stage wins. Yeah, his TT is really bad, losing two and a half minutes on this TT. He's going to lose minutes and minutes hand over fist to the Slovenians and Thomas and Port and and all the half-decent TT. Even Alaphilippe, he'll lose a bucket load of time. And then Alaphilippe's the guy he'll be competing against for like Pungeur finishes as well as the Slovenians. So GC at the Tour looking really rough for Israel Startup Nation at the moment. I think... They've got Froome, man. Yeah, Sorry. Dan, Dan Martin as well. So they've basically got... Yeah, it's a weird team. Anyway... I think it was interesting to see only one rider I saw tried to change bikes. Koshta did the climb on the t- uh, the road yep. bike then changed to the TT bike. I'll just read some intermediate splits out just to – so the, the intermediate, the quickest intermediate to T1, so the climbing section, Uran 12 seconds ahead of Alaphilippe. So Alaphilippe did a – he's looking in great shape for the tour climbing-wise. I mean – he did it on a road bike. Uh, he did it in, on his world champs road bike. Filippo Ganna dishonoured. Will Alaphilippe be fined? Stay tuned for that. His second final of the Tour de Suisse. Um, 12 seconds after Uran, pretty good. But they did it 27 k's an hour. So not a big – if they can get the TT bikes to eight, seven and a half kilos, maybe they can't. But TT bike seems to be better there because the you know the quickest time on the – downhill section was what poles actually he did 68 k's an hour average for nine minutes 57 so poles he's just his climbing is is really bad it seemed well not it seems it was poles climbing coming 16th on the climb maybe he kept it back on the descent uh what about dumoulin benji he came sixth at the t1 and then 12th on the descent fifth overall that's got to be a pretty encouraging result for him I think that's an amazing time trial for him and I think on paper from the climbing we've seen this Tour de Suisse I might say that a somewhat flatter time trial might fit him even more in the longer sense so let's look at Tokyo's time trial in our minds and we see a parkour that's not flat but it's also not a mountain time trial so this is very very promising for Tom Dumoulin in terms of that race I'm expecting. Now, what I want to know is, and I don't know because I'm not anywhere near a pro rider and these TTs are so irregular, is is Rigoberto Uran or 
you know, Cataneo, Posavivo, are they better climbers than Carapaz? No, they're not. But it's a 27-minute climb, 26-minute climb. How is Pozzovivo putting 21 seconds into Carapaz on a climb, even though it's on TT bikes? Is it is it down to comfort on the TT bike and their ability to put out power with a different hip angle? What is contributing to that? Is it pacing? Is Pozzovivo going harder on the the climb and then he lost on the descent because he did a very very bad descent Pozzovivo 10 he was 42nd on the descent section losing 31 seconds to Uran and, and sort of that's how Carapaz leapfrogged him Alaphilippe did really bad on the descent too and uh, if anyone says TG bike versus road bike on a descent it seems to me I mean Alaphilippe good good handler this is pretty good evidence just without any actual statistics other than what we've seen that the tt bikes were quicker uh, unless it's very very technical this even had hairpins and uran did the descent 28 seconds quicker so yes food for thought but any other interesting facts from this tt benji what about dennis performance you surprised by him i first want to go back to your point uh about why an uran for example can do better on this kind of parkour i think it's i think it's through the uh the way that this climb is also, because this climb is a 6.5%, 9.5 kilometer climb, 6.5% steady gradient. There's no peaks to 9%. There's no peaks to 11%. There's nothing like that. There's that exact gradient that is not high enough, which means that riders like Nuran and so forth can go on to the, uh, the large ring on their bike and hammer those watts purely on the large ring. And we saw Carapaz even with a, a larger ring than he usually does. So I'm expecting that teams were thinking about that, that this climb plays a role in that. And I think that, for example, a rider like Shockman, who was playing on a a much smaller ring from what we could see, well, he was pedaling much faster. That's basically the uh, easy explanation there. And um, that didn't really work out for him. So it seems like it really worked on the on the big ring for the specialists of that big ring at Cataneo is very good at that. That's why he's good at this kind of time trial. That's why I somewhat looked at him as well today. I um I saw him come like six seconds behind uh, Mader the second that Mader was still in the lead. So I was like, okay, that's, that's probably a reason for that. Mader seemed to be on a pretty uh pretty big ring as well. Dumoulin's great at that. Carapaz changed towards that, like I just mentioned. So it's clear that that is the the big thing that everybody on top here at the front of that first intermediate chose form. And uh, then it's also down to uh, your gut in the descent, because I think that Uran genuinely is more daring in the sense we've seen him done. We've seen him done a lot of great descents in the past. And it's better in those, in those long straight descents than the ones with, with shady corners and hairpins and so forth. And I think that plays a role as well here. I think if it was more technical with a road bike and so forth, then an Alaphilippe, Descent would probably be much closer to what Uran would perform on that type of parkour, if that makes any sense. Rigoberto Uran can win the Mont Ventoux stage in this upcoming Tour de France if he goes for stages. Uh, it's got a long, fast descent, I believe, off the, Vent- the last descent of Ventoux. You're right. He's good enough at climbing to maybe definitely stay in a breakaway group. And if he goes for the G, if he's staying in the GC group, maybe, but hmm, problematic. He's going for I- GC. I know he's going to go for GC, but that's probably why he doesn't win as many stages. If he, he could definitely, that would be a stage he could win if he wasn't a GC threat because he, he needs to get away on the descent. 
Yep. I mean, if you want any further evidence that TT climbing is not the same as normal climbing, Esteban Chavez, who was flying on the climb the other day, did the climbing section two minutes and 30 seconds, I believe, slower than Rigoberto Uran. Two minutes and 26 seconds slower. That is insane <laughs> how much slower he did. He did it slower than Fred Wright, and Fred Wright's like 25 kilos heavier than him so yeah, yeah. i i have yeah. a question though like this kind of climb it's also like i just mentioned that gradient is not amazing which means that it's also got draft benefit in normal stages not in a time trial do you think that a climber like a chavez benefits well obviously benefits more from the draft on a road stage but do you think that it is more troublesome for someone like chavez to produce the same what's when not having that draft benefit compared to a rider like uh, Ron and Carapaz that we've seen ride better when he's alone on such gradients. Maybe, but, you know, Chavez went on his own early in Catalonia. He went early yeah. the other day. He's, uh, he's not like um, a guy that sort of jumps late. I, I don't know. Yeah. I, don't, I just don't really know why. But what we do know is that the GC is back on. It's not a formality, this Tour de Suisse, anymore. Tomorrow's stage eight, 160 kilometers long. It starts out the gate with a Cat 1, 11Ks, 5.5% descent. Then the Luc Manier pass. I think the other side, I think they pretty much do this. This is the reverse direction of the other the stage the other day. Yeah. Um, 16Ks, 5.5%. Long Fishbowl Valley and then back up to the San Cotardo pass, 13.5Ks, 6.7%. Descent, then a flat finish. The GC is, there's not a big gap for the Carapaz anymore. He, he keeps the leader's jersey, but Alaphilippe's going home, I believe, because his child's being born on Monday. So he's out. So GC is Carapaz 17 seconds ahead of Uran, a minute and seven back to Sharkman, then full sang at 115, then a big gap. Woods, Pozzavivo, Uman, uh, Costa, Chavez, Cataneo, all three to four minutes back. So Uran v Carapaz really on this last stage it would be a big scalp for Uran. let me check his team first just uh because i haven't been paying attention to them apart from bisiga's performance powerless benji satellite rider tomorrow for rigoberto Uran. he should like i think that Uran needs to try something he's not necessarily the rider we've seen attack a lot in his uh in his history but we've seen a few Uran attacks out there i'm hoping that we see him try something but i think that it's going to be really tough to put um Carapaz in actual trouble on this parkour. There's climbs at the start, which indeed allows for satellite riders to go ahead, but they took care of that fairly easily on the uh, on the stage. Was it yesterday? Yes, uh, where Alaphilippe had that early attack and so forth. So um, I'd love it if Paulus does it. It would fit well. Yeah, I think I think Uran needs someone to pace for him on the climbs to set something up, but I think. Carapaz on a road bike, it might be difficult to shake off on a descent yep. as well. And there's that long valley. It has to be the last climb. You can't go You can't go on the first two climbs, I don't think. It's so far from the finish. Yeah, like but... 110 k's far. Ron doesn't have the acceleration, I think, to drop Carapaz in any way. I just don't see it happening. I, I hope it becomes tense at some point, but I find it very difficult to believe that we'll see a point where, where Carapaz is literally unable to follow an attack by Rigoberto Uran. It just doesn't make sense in my mind. I'm trying to I'm trying to see how technical the descent is off the back of 
Uh, the and Gosling didn't even lose that much time in the descent today, I think. Like, nah. it was 53 seconds at the top and I think 50 seconds at the bottom or something. It or looks like there's about three similar. turns in it. I just, it's, it looks like it's going to be difficult for a run. Um, yep. But hopefully he tries and hopefully he goes and, and tries on, I don't know, the San Gotardo pass, tries to bridge across to Paulus who paces him, maybe Ineos. I mean, they've got... Eddie Dunbar is pretty much the only guy that's going to be there working on the in the, the meat of that climb. So, yeah, maybe Ineos will be vulnerable, but I think it'll be tough. I think Dunbar can shut down any sort of Nielsen Powers or run attack without too much trouble. So Carapaz still firmly in the box seat, despite Uran giving him a big scare today and hopefully one tomorrow. But hope you enjoyed this recap. Stay tuned now if you're listening on podcast players for the Tour of Slovenia Stage 4 recap. But if you're on YouTube, Give us a like down below and we'll see you with the Tour de Suisse final stage eight recap tomorrow. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast with Benji Nyson and Groju, as well as Heinrich Hausler and Aaron Brew above his right shoulder. This is the recap of the Tour of Slovenia stage four, the finishing with the disgusting uh, climb at Nova Gorica. I think it's called the Sveta Gorana climb or something. It's like called the Holy Climb. European standard, I've seen it already in Indora, seems to be find the most steep, crazy hill around and then just build a church on top of it. So uh, <laughs> we have that <laughs> we have that here as well. 163 k's long. It's got the Ravnica climb, which is 2.7 k's, 11%, which is hard enough in itself. That crests 9 k's from the finish. Then there's a rolling ridge line, short descent, then 2.4 k's, 13.5%. Ramps up to 25, 27% apparently on this final climb. They'll make it look easy, but it's not. This is a really, really hard climb. Pagacar over a minute ahead of Morich and Sobrero and GC. This was the stage we thought he'd be dominating, but there was a break, Benji, but pretty much Trenton just controlling them, right? Yes, indeed. Trenton was in control uh, for UAE, who's trying to keep it all relatively close so they could, well, take the stage in the end. That was their final goal here. And uh, that became very clear because towards that Ravnica climbed the bottom of it. They indeed started controlling even more. But then another team popped up at the front. We saw that bike exchange was taking over on the Ravnica climb just at the starting portion. And I wasn't really sure why. They've got Tanel Kangert. They've got um, your boy Andrei Zeitz. So uh, I'm not sure that's the two people I'm going to drop everything on for this stage because you've got a competitor that has a team that, yeah, is going to beat those two riders. Like, there's no way Kangert and Zeitz are winning against Pogacar. So what do you think is their idea? Is it that to to try and put pressure or try to do at least something against Pogacar here? Or, yeah. I don't know. Sometimes in life, you just have to accept your fate and that you're going to get wrecked. And uh, Bike <laughs> Exchange didn't feel like accepting that this morning or today. But, yeah. I agree with Benji. I don't have an answer. I don't have a logical explanation for you, Benji. Oh, uh, yeah, Trenton controlling. UAE pretty much split it apart on that the end of that Ravnica climb. We've got a group with uh, Micah Polance, Ulysses, and Pegacha, four UAE riders, as well as Sobrero Romo, two Astana riders. Sobrero, told you already remember that name. And then Ilmo Zakarin Benji, the Zakarin. <laughs> I was like, he's back. He's going to destroy Pegacha on this final climb. That didn't end up happening. It was pretty much UAE just controlling and pacing. James Shaw was there too for Riddle. Um, and the commentators let us know almost to the point uh, that it was a meme 
how well he was doing, but he is doing really well. We said that the other day. Uh, but yeah, pretty much Micah then taking over pacing at the bottom of that climb. The question was, is Pagacha going to go to full gas on this climb or are UA going to try and gift this stage to someone? He's already won a stage on stage two. He hadn't run a, won a stage of Tour of Slovenia before. And uh, so he's got that ticked and he's going to win GC. So is he going to gift it to Micah or Ulysses? Well, the answer became pretty clear when Micah pacing drops everyone except Sobrera, Ulysses and Pagacha. Then Pagacha gets flicked with about 800 metres to go. He starts pacing. Ulysses was their third wheel. They moved Sobrera second wheel. Then Sobrera, I think, gets caught by surprise when Ulysses hits him with about oh, 150 metres to go and attacks really, really hard. Sobrera can't get back onto his wheel. There's a big sweeping right-hand bend. And Pagacha gets onto Sobrera's wheel, but Ulysses already gone. Wins the stage, and Pagacha actually comes around to take second for the UAE 1-2. So it's been a quick recap because it was a pretty straightforward stage my main questions for Benji is that merits further discussion is do you like the way UAE and Pagacha in particular set this stage up and gifted it to not well yeah he gifted it to you'll see Pagacha could have won the stage yeah easily he he was going over the line celebrating he looked like he easily passed Sobrero there in the last section so he could have easily won the stage in that sprint as well most likely I wouldn't even be in doubt that that sprint could have been won by Pogacar if he was sprinting against Ulisi there because he went over Sobrero that easily. But obviously, if he went earlier, he also would have likely won the stage that way. So if Pogacar wanted, the stage was easily for him, but he decided not to. He decided that it was for Ulisi to try. And um, I'm pretty positive about that. I think that not all reactions are going to be, oh, wow, awesome. Um, I'm pretty happy about that because you've got Pogacar who has a team that has to work for him the entire season, being able to give back to the team that is working for him the entire season and raise that on paper matters less for UAE. It is also a team sport and does gifting to a teammate is certainly something that I do accept in, uh, in this sport personally. Thing is, I mean, Mike is the guy that's going to be pulling in about three weeks on stage eight in the Tour de France, not you will see. I think... What I'd like to see is, and yeah, I don't mind. I would have liked, obviously, as a spectator and the people on top of the climb that waited there, <laughs> they would have loved to have seen Pagacha go full gas or win the stage or at least, you know, to open up the legs in the last K. Uh, but of course, he's under no obligation to do that. He's here as a tune up race. He's won a stage, which he probably didn't expect to win the stage two, and he's going to win GC. He doesn't need to win half the stages here, and you'll see he was probably expected to win stage two rather than stage four. So they kind of swapped it around. You know, even if Pagacha had gone full gas, would I then say, oh, well, he's definitely going to win the Tour de France now? I mean, it's hard to know his level or condition. It's not like they don't have a 40 minute climb here in this race anyway. I think what's interesting, Benji, I want to talk about Diego, you'll see very sort of unique style rider his climbing seems to be getting better and better 31 years old he's only done one welter Pagacha says he wants to take a tilt at the welter Roglic I don't think is going surely no, given how Ulysses went oh he is it depends if he loses the tour he's gonna he's gonna go to the welter okay that's true Benji's right that's sort of what happened last year Given how Yulsi went on this rampas in Humanas, surely he can be helpful to Pagacha at the uh, Vuelta and even go for stages himself. Certainly, I'm always surprised that Yulisi has only done one Vuelta in his yeah, past. I know. And it's a bit like the Colbrelli story we had uh, a few weeks ago. Exactly. Where these riders fit 
the Vuelta so much, but because they're Italian, they're focusing so much on the um, on the Giro and they're going there instead. So it's it's just a thing that happens, and I believe that Ulisi should go to the Vuelta. I believe that he can get stage wins there definitely, and a lot of these steep finish, climby rampas and humanas, the way you you're calling it, those are fitting for him. Those are fitting for a lot of riders, but he's definitely one of the better ones at it. So I think I think it's perfect for him, and I think that he should definitely be there. Do I like these kind of finishes? It depends because. Sometimes I feel like it's kind of like a sprint stage. You've got an entire stage where nothing happens, and then the last two kilometers is the action, which I don't mind if the two kilometers of action is is amazing. But sometimes it can disappoint, and that's why I'm like, oh, I'd like to see a bit more uh, multiple hills following each other up and stuff like that in stages than just one La Camperona, for example, at the, st- at the end of a stage. Yeah, that's the thing. We I was sort of all oh, thinking, oh, this stage can be crazy. I mean, it's not that. And even the welter, like the one Valverde Roglic in twenty nineteen, the one Valverde one, like it's it's generally pretty small gaps because, yeah, unless you even Puy Marie, that was pretty big gaps actually for that sort of climb. Like Bernal lost thirty seconds, but he was actually a bit unwell. But even when the the Slovenians went absolutely full, I think the reason Ulysses hasn't done the Welter many times is he generally does sort of the uh Trevelli Varacine Lombardia Giro Memorial Marco Pantani route, because he's Italian, as Benji said. But it depends what the sponsors want. I mean I, st- I still think of Welter stage is nothing to turn your nose up at and is more important Definitely. than Memorial Marco Pantani. And particularly if you can also well, if he can, I think he definitely can be helpful to Pagacha given the sort of climbs they have in the Welter. So, yeah, I think you'll see at the Welter. I'd love to see repaying Pagacha back for today. But tomorrow's stage in Slovenia, sprint stage, Ljubljana, Novo Mesto, 175Ks long. We've got a few more climbs than in stage one, but the longest ones in the first 20Ks, 7Ks, 4%. And then the last couple aren't even categorized with like 26Ks to go. It's between Bauhaus and Aberastri for me, Benji. And uh, Aberastri is looking really, really good. Yeah, that's true. Mm, that's slide, very, uphill, very true. slide uphill drag as well at the end, like false slide uphill. I'd love to see Aberastri do well because I kind of enjoy the guy. But um, Bauhaus is so powerful and has such a good lead out, though. That's what makes him strong. And he's also decent on a bit of an uphill drag. So I think they could both work on this type of finish. They were so close on stage one. It could be just as close on this stage. Are there other people that we could look at, for example, for this stage? It's uh, it's a bit difficult. I think Banashek, Alan Banashek, sprinted pretty well from Azovshe last time around in stage one. I think that um, outside of do we mentioned i don't instantly see someone else i think an uphill drag f- fits trenton more than a non-uphill drag but i don't think it's uphill drag enough for him you know yeah i don't think so i think Powerhouse is still the favorite um but well who knows he didn't win very convincingly on stage one but he still no. got it done i'll be interested to see how it goes maybe Bahrain try something with a reverse lead out. I mean, Trutnik, Morich looking very, very strong, but... Hausler, man. Yeah, let Hausler go. Hey, Flam Rouge, come on, let Hausler have a little go. Let him have a yeah, dig, yeah, come yeah. on. Dot pro race, he can win it. I mean, the talking other league about, Yeah? Talking about Mohoric, we forgot to mention today that um, 
he attacked. He attacked on the uh, the center <laughs> part between uh, the two sections, the two last hills. And I found that pretty funny. Like, Mohoric can just ride a, a random road. He finds 10 meters of descent, and he attacks the group that he's in. <laughs> it seems like the – I remember with the Super Tuck ban, it came out, and people asked him because he's like a big – he used it a lot. And he's like, it doesn't matter for me. I'll still <laughs> – don't really care. <laughs> and it's true. He's been able to yeah. – what was the descent – what was the race he just did? Oh, Giro. There was a, a descent he did at the Giro. I can't remember what stage – it was, um, but he, I'm pretty sure, oh no, maybe it was on another Catalonia, stage. Catalonia, last stage, Thomas de Gent? No, no, I, I'm, I've gone full 5,000 IQ, Benji. I'm actually thinking of the race he's currently doing. I'm thinking of stage two of Slovenia, where <laughs> <laughs> there's no TV footage of his descent of the yeah. uh, last climb, uh, the, the the main descent of the Svetina, and he caught uh, Sobrera. He would have been absolutely flying, but we didn't see it. And I, I wonder how many descents in Moritz's career has he had where it's like if you had a motorbike behind him or if he had a GoPro on us to have a footage that, you know, get a million views on YouTube. It's like the most insane, beautiful thing you've ever seen. And it just you never see it because he's normally chasing. Remember Liège last year, same thing. I bet you his Liège descent was absolutely obscene. But we should invest. We should yeah. invest money <laughs> in one of those like racing drone uh, drivers or whatever you you call that racing just, drone pilot. It just follows him, and just follow him the moment that he goes into the Sens and Grand Tours or wherever he's at. <laughs> Listen, Velon, Velon and Bahrain. I'll pay a thousand euro. Even I'll pay for the GoPro, both the two GoPros, the best quality ones. I'll put them on Morich's bike. Um, it should still be, you know, 6.8 kilos if I can get the footage as well because I, I want that for every race. But that's enough from Tour of Slovenia. Uh, enjoying it so far. see winning today. He keeps winning every year. And uh, we'll see you with the recap of the sprint tomorrow. Ciao. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 